Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about... So now what's happening is I'm getting all of these young students um, who are in their teens who are just fantastic. Like, uh, you know, my Saturday morning is like back-to-back really, really good young students. Great attitude, great playing. They practice hard and they kind of remind me of what I was like when I was that age, that sort of enthusiasm. So that actually keeps me motivated too. Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. I think the, uh, the cool thing that happens when you, know, you or I or, or other drummers get together is we kind of just, we talk about stuff. And I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when two drummers talk. Well, I, was, I was privileged enough. I don't think you were at this event. It was the drum scene or the drum tech Ultimate Drummers Weekend, the 20th anniversary, which was about three years ago. Um, I don't think you were at that one, but I was just sitting on a table and, and around me was, this is the after party thing on the Sunday night, around me was like Virgil Donati, Dave Weckl, um, who else was there? Thomas Lang, you know, you name these guys. And I was listening to Be A Fly On The Wall and it was amazing. So what I attempt to do with these is to, you and I can have a conversation that others can be a fly on the wall about the things that you're doing because the stuff that you're doing is cool and I love it and I love the little studio jams that you put up on Facebook occasionally. So in a simple question, what's, what's happening in your life in the week, this week? Um, a few things. Well, um, I had a gig last night. I had a really nice gig last night at a, a lovely jazz club in Melbourne called the Paris Cat. So I played there with... Uh, uh, very talented young guitarist called Kathleen Halloran, and I've been playing in her group for about a year or so now. So I did that. Um, yesterday was Anzac Day, as we know, so uh, I spent part of that day listening to music, learning some tunes, uh, watched a little bit of the football. The rest of the week has been, um, you know, some, I do a fair bit of, you know, I have private students. Um, I've left my sort of regular teaching gig, so I, I, I teach privately now. Um, you know, my, my, generally my week can, my weeks consist of learning songs or, um, practicing, teaching, uh, and doing gigs. I mean, it's a pretty decent lifestyle. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have the amount of, uh, you know, financial security that, that, you know, having a daytime gig has, but it has a lot of, um, freedom and there's a hell of a lot of fun associated with it. So today, yep. Uh, as soon as I'm done with you, I have a couple of medical appointments that I have to deal with. Um, I have a shoulder injury mm-hmm. at the moment, so that's a bit of a concern. Wow. And then uh, when I get mm. back, I'm going to be learning um, and playing through a bunch of Paul Simon songs that I'm doing for um, a sort of show of Paul Simon music. So that means I'm going to spend the afternoon nice. just listening to Steve Gadd, which I can think of a lot worse things to be oh. doing. Um, that's crazy. So you saw him again when he came to Adelaide or Australia recently? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I ended up going. Well, I ended up going the first night in Melbourne, and um, I, I was sitting so close to him. I was he- I was hearing his sound coming off the stage, and I've seen him about a dozen times now. But this is mm-hmm. the first time I've seen him in a very small club. Um, 
and the sound coming off the stage was incredible. Like it was really amazing, and I was so blown away that I actually had to go back the next night. So, uh, yeah, good. he's he's a he's my like a massive, massive influence. I know, I know, and uh, I know we've had conversations about him in the past, and just your your flavor and your style, and the, there are definitely elements of what you do that I can see in him as well. So take that as a as a compliment. There's definitely things and. And to, for me to see him for the first time ever, which was two months ago, was just a whole other thing as well. It was, it was just, so this is the guy, this is, you know, you, I was trying to explain to Michelle, you know, Michelle, I was trying to explain to my beautiful partner how important this guy is to the drumming world and jumped on his website and downloaded a PDF of 20 pages from like 1940s or whatever to current every album he's ever played on amazing in, in the timeline order and it's just 20 pages of names and albums and just the guy is it the guy is yeah. is the guy it's well you know there's one thing to be there's one there's one thing to be an incredible drummer but the other thing is to uh sort of create an entire entirely new approach and a new language um that kind of uh you know, it's sort of pivotal in the way that then a whole generation of drummers latch onto that particular style of drumming. I mean, you know, I, I say to people, um, you know, a lot of younger drummers that, you know, without Steve Gadd, you know, Dave Weckl would be a different drummer or Vinnie Colaiuta would be a dr different drummer. Thousands of thousands of drummers would, would not, you know, there, there are elements in his playing that have crept into all of, all of our playing. And then, in addition to in addition to that, I mean, it's just so incredibly innovative. You know, I was listening to um, uh, you know Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover last night. Yep. And you know, I've been playing that groove since I was a teenager. Yeah. But you know, like I keep thinking, like, how how do you come up with something like that? You know, how do you <laughs> how do you uh, how do you how do you what's going on in there to make something like that happen? It's yeah. incredible. Co so, totally copying it in the first place and understanding it and playing it the playing the notes that he plays is mind blowing. It's yeah, you know, I've got it too. It takes a little while, but once you get it, it's like it kind of makes sense. But then trying to play it with his finesse and his you, you just can't do that. But then what you've just said is a whole nother level. How the hell do you come up with that in the first place for other people to, to yeah. other people to it's insane. So let's yeah. talk about teaching for a minute. You're, you're, uh, I did notice recently that you've, you've left the, the company you were working for and you're teaching for yourself, which you have done for many years. I know that. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that for a minute? Without, without, yeah, of course. You know, tell me, oh, tell which, me a little bit about bit, that. Which, which bit? My, private teaching or the company that I left? The company that you left. You know, firstly, I have to start by saying that teaching is something I really enjoy and that I'm really passionate about. And I think, uh, um, you know, I think with, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of sharing information and I, you know, I'm at an age now where mentoring is really important to me. You know, like when, when I was in my twenties, just to give you some idea, you know, when I was in my twenties, um, you know, a lot of good things happened for me. So I was teaching and I, then I got the, you know, I got the gig playing with Hey Hate Saturday, which got me more students, got me clinics and all of that sort of stuff. By the time I got to my late 20s and, uh, you know, I was kind of 
for lack of a better expression, you know, no longer the flavor of the month, I started to feel threatened by, you know, the emerging, you know, the emerging generation. And then, you know, you get to a point where you get past that. Like I'm, I'm at a point where I, I'm really excited about the emerging generation. I don't feel threatened by it because, you know, I feel fairly well established here. I'm, I'm working, you know, like I'm just turned 51 recently and I'm working a lot. So uh, that makes me feel good. So now what's happening is I'm getting all of these young students um, who are in their teens who are just fantastic. Like, uh, you know, my Saturday morning is like back-to-back -back really, really good young students. Great attitude, great playing. They practice hard and they kind of remind me of what I was like when I was that age, that sort of enthusiasm. So that actually keeps me motivated too. So... Um, so, you know, I was teaching at this um, school in Melbourne, which um, was originally established in, in Sydney. And, you know, the last 12 months had gotten really bad. It became very corporatized. And I think a lot of people who are in that kind of private tertiary edu education sector will know that it's very corporatized. And uh, it's, you know, the, the, the corporate world is really the enemy of art as far as I'm concerned. And so, absolutely, yes, um, I love that. And so I, 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 I didn't, I didn't enjoy teaching there anymore and people weren't getting treated with the respect and, um, uh, you know, they weren't getting treated with respect and people were being, you know, people weren't, th their talent wasn't really being appreciated. So I left. And so that's a sort of a big move to make because that, that was making up part of my income. So I'm sort of trying to replace, that income with more teaching, and I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying teaching privately. It's 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 great, and I and I have a lot of um, great young students. Um, and because of that, because they're so good, I want to give them more. You know, I want to help them out. Uh, whatever whatever it is, so that that's an important thing to me. That's fantastic. So I think the next step for you would be you'd have to write a book about the story so far, wouldn't you? Um, well, um, <laughs> I could write, I could write a, I could write a biography, which would be really thin, like a, just a few pages, like a pamphlet. Right. Uh, but, but a, here's um, a business card. It's a business card. Yeah. It's my life yeah. story. Uh, but, but in reality, um, you know, like in terms of talking about books, you know, my, my intention is to release my two books as eBooks now, because um, you know, I taught in I taught in London for a few years, and a lot of the a lot like many of the students that I've taught um, have opened up drum schools in different parts of Europe. Right. And so, you know, I, I want to be able to send send my books to them. But the problem with that is that postage costs are so mm. so huge yep. that uh, it just it's just not worth the money. So if I have an if I have an ebook version of my two books. Um, then, uh, you know, the, the, that, that's t that postage is taken out of the equation and it means more profit for me. It makes the books more affordable. And really that's the way things are going in terms of technology. So that's going to, I think that's my next big project. That's cool. Well, Michelle's written a couple of books and one of them is on Amazon. I don't this works the same deal with, you know, uh, A4 size books because obviously hers is a, a novel. Um, the... The way that that works is if you were to buy her book through Amazon anywhere in the world, Amazon would actually print one copy 
of the book and it looks like it's come from a massive produced thing. It's not just a dodgy version of the same mass produced. It's, it's a real authentic book and it's sent to whoever. It costs $7 okay. out of the profit for that to happen. So whatever the book is sold for on Amazon and, and you, the, the, the publisher, determines that price. And then I think it's $7 out of that, out of that margin that stays with, with um, Amazon because they produce this, this book one-off to go to whoever. So check that out. I'll, I'll get Michelle to have a chat. She can, she might allude Thank you to too. that. And, I... and Tammy knows about that stuff as well. You, you know Tammy, so Lockie's yeah, mum. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. the editor of Michelle's book, so she could probably direct you into that as well. So that means that you don't have to worry about getting the order on Amazon uh, or wherever you get your orders through and then have to go through the crap of sending it. Look, if we're sending out hundreds of books a day or even 100 books a week, We've set up a process to make that easier. But when it's one or two and then there's, there's cost involved, it's, there's got to be an easier way. And that's, that's what Amazon are there to do. They're there to disrupt. And that's what they've done. Good. So they can help you with that, I think. Yeah, I, I guess the other issue for me is that my books have CDs with them. Yeah. So, so my plan is, say, with the... You scan, you, scan, you, scan a, uh, you scan a code and that gives you all the content. It's all yeah. internet well, stuff. Is, I'm, I'm learning something new. <laughs> Technology. Thanks. CD. I don't have a CD player here. So, you know, your CDs are actually being, I had to go to a friend's house and burn CD, burn seed onto a USB so I could put it in my computer. It becomes part of my playlist. Well, can look, I get look behind me. These are yeah. my CDs. I've got, like, they're all like CDs yeah. everywhere. There's CDs, books. And then yeah. up here in amongst my Marx Brothers stuff, uh, there are all my drum <laughs> books up there. Amazing. Oh, yeah. That's so that's good. Just got... about, I, I love old tangible technology as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got records. I've got, I've got a yeah, record records too. Of, yeah. 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 That's, I want, so I, my album coming out, I want to release onto a vinyl. I want to do maybe three tracks, side A, three tracks, side B, and just have a record. Like that's just for me, not to sell, not to produce, just to, I want to have my own stuff on a record. Um, I'm at that point yeah, now where, where, where I, I teach a hell of a lot um, and I've taught privately like you've, you're doing now. I've done that for well over 20 years. I'm almost as old as you. And, uh, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I haven't played on – I haven't had the opportunity. I've played on many albums. I'm on about 50, 50 albums, I guess, through the course of that time. 30 years, just a few tracks here and there. But I haven't had any direction. I haven't been able to put any direction of, direction in of my own. So I'm, I'm working towards doing that over the next few months. And I've got some, I've got some pretty cool ideas. Some people are joining me on these albums and some great producers. So it's going to be uh, something. Uh, it's a project for me. I love the project stuff. You give, me, give me something to do and I'll, I'll keep myself busy. Rain, hail or debt. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get it happening. I've noticed, I've noticed that about you. <laughs> so the drum clinic that we did together um, was in 2013, and that wasn't the first one. Yeah, that was the first one we did. Well, I think was in 2009, where I worked uh, in a 2010. warehouse. 2010. Okay, so I worked in a warehouse. I'll tell you a funny story about that warehouse in a minute, um, to, and, and I'll relate that back to debt. Um, worked worked in a warehouse. My appendix blew out. Uh, just as you're about to come to Australia to, to, to Adelaide to do this show. But up until then, I spent most of my time on a sweeper driving up and down the rows in the, in the aisles, sweeping out just 
dust. That was amazing, and I loved every second of that. Most people don't appreciate that. You know, I was getting paid to think. Like I was getting paid to think, not about the work I was doing, but something I could bring to the music community. And, 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 and because of that, ETI Music was created, and that, was, that evolved over many years. The very first drum clinic I did for the people that are watching, that are playing along at home, was Darren Frugia. And uh, we, I don't know how we got the conversation started. I think we met once or twice. I, you know, I had a man crush and still have a man crush on you. The, uh, and and you're, you're happy to come in. You're only and it human. Wasn't, and it was, I know. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the clinics, the cheapskate clinics that I do these days, which I, I, I try and grab the guys when they're in town. We flew you in, we flew you out, and we did, we did the whole thing. Um, and it was at a music store, which no longer exists now, which is very common. Um, the, uh, and the industry is falling in a bit of a hole, the music retail industry. No one's doing clinics anymore, by the way. You know, no one's doing no, no, and, and And I think, I think the, it's a great marketing product for any music store to do. The music stores are not doing it. So I'm literally the only guy in Adelaide that's doing any kind of clinics. Granted, I haven't done one for a while, but I have Mark Shulman, Justin Derrico, Eva Gardner, and Jason um, Chapman. For, so Pink's Rhythm Section are doing a workshop for me in a couple of months. Right. And there's a whole heap of right. others around that time as well that are happening. So that's going to be pretty huge. Um, didn't get – well, I contacted a particular music shop, and uh, they weren't they weren't going to support it because they didn't need to. So I contacted another friend of mine that runs a music store and he's super over the top and really, really excited to support. So he's going to be the guy that I go to in the future. He's revolutionizing the music industry, um, the music retail industry, I should say. Uh, I'm not a big fan of retail. It's very scary. Um, so we did that clinic in 2010 and then we brought you back for the fringe with uh, Joe and Pete Drummond. Um, yeah. Well, and uh, you did you did a workshop with us as well. I'm just trying to paint the picture for the guys that are looking how the, how we've worked together in the past. And, and the the other thing we did, I think, was the best one we did was when we had like the 15 other drum kits, and you and I, and you know Joel Prime and a few other cool cats in the room. That was just mental. <laughs> that was fantastic, actually. That was a, that I mean, was, my 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 hat my hat goes off to you, Pete, because you know for as long as I've known you, which is really probably coming up to 10 years or nine, nine years or something, you know, you, you've been really proactive and that's, that, you know, you, you're, you're proactive because you're passionate about the art form more than you are concerned about trying to make money out of that art form, you know, and, you know, you know, history, history has proven that, you know, the art remains and people forget about the money, you know, like, um, if you go to an art gallery and you look at um, any number of uh, beautiful paintings from any particular era of art, whether it's the Renaissance or the Impression, you know, the, the, the Impressionism era, whatever, that remains to be viewed and enjoyed and um, whatever money was made out of that is something that is, is of no concern to us and is no concern to the art. And, yeah. you know, if we put like money it. before everything, if we, if we put money before everything, then we, we've uh, unfortunately um, prioritised the wrong part of what is supposed to be the enduring aspect of, the, of any art form. 
And so it requires people who are passionate like yourself um, to not only keep the art form alive, but keep the art form alive for an emerging um, generation of musicians and drummers, you know. So, and unfortunately, there are only uh, a small percentage of people like you in the, in the world, you know. And, you know, here in Melbourne... Thank God. You know, my 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 teacher is uh, yeah, thank God. Um, my, you know, my teacher Frank Corniolo has been doing the same thing. You know, he he felt yep. that it was time for Australia to have a decent drumming magazine and a you know major drumming event, and and you know they're, they're, I'm sure that there are other people in other parts of the country, perhaps maybe, but certainly in other parts of the world that you know prioritise the art form and that that's important. So, yeah, thanks. So, thanks, Pete. Thanks for your mate, support, not only from me, but from all the other drummers on the planet. Yeah, more than welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, that quote you said earlier, I don't know if you've, that was a, um, uh, thank you, but I totally appreciate it. It's awesome. The the thought, the, the quote you put down before, I don't know if that was your quote, but if it isn't, I'm going to put your name next to that. I'm going to make some memes on it. Everything is um, mine. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I kind of wrote it down here on the table in the, in the, in the, in the you know the dust um the corporate something you said about the corporate um i'll have to go back and listen to the tape again but it was the same okay. it was when 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 money when money when music becomes corporatized when yeah that was that is perfect and the last thing well, we want to do as educators even a simple form as little johnny's coming around for a for a drum lesson awesome oh great he liked it cool we're going to do 10 lessons cool then there's that's great that's what we want but then the problem that i'm faced with and everybody else that teaches music and we've proven this through countless hours of of surveys and focus groups and just we just know this and you would understand this as well the second you have to ask for money for giving out a lesson it becomes a little bit weird and it has does still does for me after 20 years and i, I kind of pride myself on having some level of level of um, knowledge level of professionalism when it comes to teaching and but the second it's like here's the invoice here is a, here i need my 30 bucks i need my 100 bucks i need my 300 dollars for the term whatever it is that is when the art separates again from the money the money separates it's it's a separate thing so that's why we've embarked on this software solution sammy that we've been you know frantically building over the last few years and it's close now to being launched within a few months is to take away that that weird stuff so the art still happens as art the music education still happens as education uh, the the money that comes through that industry happens intuitively like we get paid because we get paid but we don't have to ask for the money um and and now that you've stepped away from the the organization that you worked for who i'm guessing no doubt paid you on behalf of the students that were learning they didn't pay me well. That was, you know, they didn't okay. pay me well, unfortunately, okay. which is probably one of the reasons why I left. So, that, yeah, well, you know, and then you can do your own thing by yourself, which means that you now have to work less hours, work more hours, because you have to do the admin and all that other stuff now. So uh, most of the podcasts that I do, I end up talking about this. I'm not doing these podcasts just so, you know, to preach about the software that we're building. Um, we know that it's going to work for many music educators all over the planet. But the reason I'm doing it is to solve my own problem, is to scratch my own itch. And that was so I can continue to be the teacher I want to be without having to be the corporate, not even corporate, just the business administration person that I freaking hate being. I hate admin. 
unless it's writing charts. Unless you know, I don't mind that admin. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I might have a slightly different attitude towards you, and that is that um, I don't necessarily have a problem. Um, firstly, a lot of people who ask me for how much I charge for a drum lesson actually surprised and they usually say, oh, really? I thought you, I thought someone like you would charge more than that. Yeah, you've got um, to bring your price up from, from $4 an hour, mate. It's just not enough. You've got to go Yeah, up. I know. About like $4 an hour. It's a nice number, yeah. and I get a dollar yeah. change from every $5 note. Yeah. Um, and it's a Big Mac. Um, it's a Big Mac. Um, so so uh, it's actually a coffee, it's a coffee here in Melbourne. Um, so I, I, and also, I, I sort of feel like if... If um, you know, if I wanted to hire a musician or hire any tradesperson or anything, you know, I have no issue in paying them for what they do because they've put a lot of hours and and um, you know yep. a lot of practice time and a lot of life experience behind what they're good at. The problem I had with where I was teaching was that they had this um, uh, you know they really undervalued who we were and what we did and what we actually brought to the institution. So, um, I, I, um, you know, I just didn't think that was fair. Uh, my, my students are ha very happy to pay me for what, for what they get from a lesson. And Good. my, um, my, my students are also really appreciative of what I, what it is that I have to offer. And they, and, and so therefore I feel really valued. And by that, then I'm more prepared to get in there and, you know, really give it all I've got, like I would with a gig. You know, I don't necessarily turn up to a gig and I'm, I'm not just thinking about what I'm going to get paid. You know, I'm there to do a job mm, yeah. and play music and make people happy. And, and yeah. you know, playing the drums is a lot of fun for those people who don't do it. It's a lot of fun. So if I, if, if mm -hmm. I, even if I'm doing a, a corporate gig, um, you know, I'm still, still playing behind a drum kit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. Getting paid to do what we do is, is amazing. Otherwise, we have to go and get another job. And but but the, like, probably like you, the one thing that I am not so great at is someone says to me, oh, you know, can you come and play drums on a recording for me? What do you usually charge? And, and that's mm. when I kind of freeze up a little bit and think, okay, actually, what do I usually charge? Because it's, also, it's so different. There's no standardized version. And then, you know, if someone's paying out of their own pocket and they've just left mm. university and they want to record some demos, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to slug them the same fee that I would slug a record company. Or um, There was just... a very interesting. There was a massive thread argument debate on good old face, the Facebook um, a month or so ago, ago and so Yanya Boston, Eli Green and myself and a few other guys were just sort of giving our comments. The question that was posted to Adelaide Australian drumming community, whatever the group is, um, was, hey, guys, thinking about getting into session musician work, what should I charge? I'm like, dude, that, this is not even a question. You don't put a price on that. Like you, you, might, you might go, oh, well, I'm currently earning $600 an hour in my corporate job. That doesn't mean that if you did two hours, you charge 1200 bucks. It doesn't work like that. It works purely on if it's a good group of people that you're working with, the track might get some mileage, it might get promoted really well, there might be some royalties involved, it might be you rock up, you play, you leave, all the gears are provided, if you have to bring your gear in, if the, the producer's a ball breaker, you know you put a couple of zeros on the end for that. There's so many options that so there's no set fee. And uh, this guy could not get his head around that. And we're all just saying, mate, it's just, it's, it can't work like that. If it did, it would be amazing. But then, you know, I, 
I don't. It doesn't. Music is such a heartfelt passion. Music is such a a selfless and selfish thing at exactly the same time. I want to be on as many albums as I can, so for my own benefit, and I also want to play on as many albums as I can, so I can so other people can hear my stuff because of their benefit, providing I'm playing the right things on the right track. And and what you've just said is you can't you can't go into a uh, you can't just have a set fee. You might discount your set fee. No. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's a very interesting thread that was. I should have tagged you in it. You can throw your $4 in. <laughs> I might have learned something. Mm, maybe. So apart from recording um, um, yeah, but... stuff, your studio stuff, let's talk about the future of Darren. I love the future stuff. Future is all good. So now you're teaching from home. Yeah. Um, how many days are you dedicating to that? How many students a week? Uh, well, well I'm, I'm, I teach... I teach a drum tech a couple of days a week. So Mondays and Saturdays are my drum tech days. Yeah. And then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, you know, I might have one or two students come over or, you know, depending on when they're free and depending on when I'm free too, because I could be out yeah. doing something as well. Um, and I, I actually really enjoy, you know, teaching from home because, you know, I like hanging out in my studio, which is basically my sort of musician version of a man shed. Yeah. Uh, so I've got, you know, all my recording gear here. I've got um, my drums are kind of mic'd up and usually just ready to go. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And then also this is my practice space. So this is where I practice. So I, I like I like having an environment um, that I can share with people. So when students come in here, they go, wow, this is cool. You know, they, and they yeah. like being here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of the future for me, uh, look, to be honest with you, I don't, you know, that's not something I'm not, I'm, I'm really sure of at this stage. You know, I think the most important thing for me is just to keep practicing and trying to get good, you know, like I, I know it sounds nuts, but you know, I, I feel like I'm doing a, like a disservice to myself by not working on my craft. And given that I get to play a lot with a lot of people and given that I get to do a variety of work and some of that work is, you know, involves improvising or working with, you know, in a setting where there's a lot of improvising going on, then that means there's a lot of interaction going on musically. So um, yep. it's important for me to stay on top of my game and um, in, that, in that sense. So it's not just me being, you know, performing a function of a timekeeper, but also being reactive and, you know, using my ears and hmm. just always trying to improve. You know, when I first moved back from the UK and I didn't have a practice space, I, I got to a point where I... I absolutely hated the sound of my drumming. Like I hate, I was on doing gigs and um, even like jazz gigs and people saying, you know, take a solo. And I didn't want to take, I didn't want to improvise. I didn't want to, and I just couldn't deal with, um, couldn't deal what, with what was coming out. So I think practicing sort of mentally as well as the physical aspect of it, um, you know, it just helps keep it a bit, you know, a little bit more fresh for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, okay. So step number one, get good. Step number two, I start a TV show called Hey Hey It's Thursday, and uh, we, we we try that. I'm your man. Yeah. I'm your yeah, man. You could be my, my Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some funny one-liners. You should uh, you should definitely bring them into your plane. You should you should do a you should do a uh, you should do a cruise ship. I've seen I've been on a cruise and Lionel Cole. I don't know if you know who he is. He plays a lot around the space. Um, in Sydney, I think it's Sydney. Um, he's Nat King Cole's nephew. Oh right, um, cool. 
so yeah, he was on a cruise ship and he, he was on there for a number of days and he played two shows in the one evening and so we got hanging out and he knows, you know, Daryl Beaton and, and all that crew and you know, hangs, hangs in that circle. He's got a great story to tell about how he wrote the number one selling song for the, um, the September 11 bombing. So he wrote that song that Celine Dion, not Celine Dion, one of the divas, you know, sang on. Um, it's a great story. So I, I, can, I was actually thinking that someone like you, or you in particular, would be a great story to tell because funny as, play some cool stuff, have a great story, you know, and you get paid to be on a cruise ship for a couple of days. It should be amazing. I should be your agent. We should make that happen. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, sounds good. like water. <laughs> There's so many options. And I think if we just, for me, like, I, I know that playing drums and teaching drums is something that I love doing. Um, creating this little project software thing is is a side hustle that's so i can do what i want to do more often and, and with a little bit more ease um the the future is very unknown i think for for a drummer but the thing is for and what you you've just said earlier um like your your early 50s young whippersnapper and you're you've been playing in the music industry for all of your life if if we were talking about football, we wouldn't get to this point. You'd either be, you know, you know, a, a, a four and twenty pie endorser uh, on TV commercials selling real estate, or a commentator. At this point, you wouldn't be yeah. in the in the game. Like, so sport has that. You get to twenty five, thirty, and you're washed out. You're done. Um, granted, at but, AFL level, they make a yeah, lot of money at that point. They do. But they work very hard for it. I, I taught, yeah. um, I taught a, 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 a recruit, um, an, Essendon, an Essendon rookie a few years ago. And um, unfortunately, he had an injury and he, um, say, so never got a seniors game. And then all the crap started with, you know, the, the doping scandal. And so that ended his career um, at the age of, 19 or yeah. 20 years old yeah and that's man. it like he's that's football that's that's the end of the line for football he's he dedicated all his life uh, um yeah. to being a great footballer yeah and um and then what had happened was um yeah it, it didn't work out for him and it was yeah. it's that was a real shame now the things so so I, I got some insight as to how hard they work basically that you know that's their life uh they, so that they, they do earn that money. And then the other thing is you have to justify the amount of money that they get paid has to really sustain them for the rest of their lives. Because, yeah, yeah like when you're, when you hit 30, you're lucky if you make it to 30. You know, someone mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I'm a Western Bulldog supporter. So someone mm -hmm. like um, uh, Murphy, for example, who retired last year, I mean, he had a he had a really great run in the team. You know, he he started out young, and he he was I think he's one of the older players in the oldest players in the league when he retired. And you know, he still had you know a year off or nearly a year off for injury. That's a hard thing for them. So then, when they retire, they've got to think of okay, well, there's potentially another fifty years of my life left. How do I make all of that money that I make made as a footballer? sustain for the rest of rest of my years yep. you know and if you're you, smart you buy you a pub. It properly then yeah you know there's we we don't have that luxury so we you know for us it's just day to day you know 
just taking gigs, doing work, teaching or whatever. And if you were smart with your money and invested it or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I, say, I say this is a joke, you know, I started out in this business with nothing and I still have most of it left. I use that. And that's what you've got to put in the cruise ship thing, you know. <laughs> that's, my, that's my cruise ship yeah. opening line. Exactly. Yeah, I use that all the time. I like it. And uh, you're playing Adelaide twice in your career, once on the way up, once on the way down. Yeah, it's yeah. great to be back. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so good. So um, I- I'm guessing you missed the, uh, the massive weekly gigs that you did with the Hey Hey crew. That, was, that would have been just a phenomenal thing to be part of. I was. Uh, you know, I... Uh... Sounds like you, you know, don't miss it. Moving the... on. <laughs> No, no, I do, no, I do. I actually, okay. I do miss it. What, what I was going to say is, I never take for granted what that gig did for my career. That was, you know, when I got that gig, that just opened up so many doors for me because that gave me the opportunity to play with all of these fantastic artists that were coming through. Name some. Um, let's let's go through a couple. Oh well, BB King, right. BB King, Tom Jones, Joe Cocker, Roger Daltrey, Jackson Brown. Bonnie You've Ray. got a list in front of you, uh, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. No, I, I, I uh, you know, and there were people that I played with that I forgot. Oh my goodness, I played with this person. You know, and that was it was good. Recently, I posted a couple of videos on Facebook. There was a track with Jackson Brown that we did, and mm-hmm. there was a track with Roger Daltrey from the Who that we did. You know, yeah, that was an incredible time in my life, and I was really young. I was twenty three when I got that gig, and all of a sudden, you know, I was put in this position of you know live to wear television. <laughs> playing with these people. But then with that, you know, that got me into the session scene. So then I was doing sessions every week for different, you know, yeah. TV commercials or whatever. This is wicked. Um, it's every, every week you were advertised by Channel 9. You were advertised as the guy to be on the drum kit for any project that anyone ever wanted. You were the guy. They were advertising you. Even though they didn't say your name, obviously, wow, this guy's great and he's playing drums on probably the only live-to-air TV show that's ran for as long as it did. It was pretty big. Now, everything's yeah. live-to-air. We chuck on Facebook Live, you know, it's live-to-air. Um, but back then, it was, it's, and I think it's amazing. But think about this, you know, what you did for their career, what you did for the longevity of Hey Hat Saturday. I guess they could have just got rid of you and got someone else. They couldn't have they got did. rid of... <laughs> no, they didn't. They shut the show down. And then they tried to go again. It didn't work. Which I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. I love it. I guess every, every week it was on. It, it had its time, you know. Like I think if you brought something like that back, it, I don't know how that would work. It'd be nostalgia, I suppose. Hmm. But um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that I never, like, even now, like, I, I don't. When people talk about it, I don't go, "Oh God, can we move on from that?" Because I, I um, sorry, you know, I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for what. Um, what that experience did for my career. And, and, and it, the funny thing is now I do gigs with people. There's some, you know, a couple of great keyboard players in Melbourne who I've done gigs with, you know, like Kim Callart, who's an incredible Hammond organ player. And um, there, there's another guy who, you know, I kind of consider my peers. These are my colleagues. These are people who I do gigs with. And, and then they, they both on different occasions said to me, um, oh, you know, man, I used to watch Hey Hey Saturday and I used to love, you know, I used to love listening to the band and, and you know, it's just so so cool to get to play with you. And I'm thinking, no, it's, I'm, I'm happy to be playing with you. This is awesome for me. And I, I forget that, um, you know, 
we we may have had some kind of you know that ban may have had some impact on you know the again you know they use this term the emerging generation of musicians and I know for me when I was a kid and I used to watch the Don Lane show so I could you know listen to Graham Morgan and mm. hear that band play so I guess to some degree it's the same thing um, it, it's 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 a, it's real it's an honor I I, I can't say anything yeah. more than that yeah. nice one and the process getting to that sorry to dwell on it. The process getting to that always intrigues me. I'd love to find out what what it takes to get to that. Like, did it was it you hustling? Obviously, there was no Facebook or no mind, MySpace. People didn't find you and oh, let's try this guy out. There was a network of people, and you went through an audition process. Run run us through that. I'll How tell you the story. Happen? The story okay. was that in nineteen in nineteen eighty nine, I went okay. and studied in America. I, I went to the States for a couple of months and had lessons with a whole bunch of people. You know, that's just something I always wanted to do. I got back from that. I got back from that trip and I was about 10 or 11 grand, not in debt, but you know, I wanted to sort of pay that yep. trip off. Mm -hmm. And then I got a gig touring with the Seekers. Um, so right. at this stage I'm 22 years old. So I'm touring Australia with the Seekers and I did that, you know, for a year. So I was in and out of town and I made a decision that, um, you know, I don't want to keep leaving town. I need to establish myself in Melbourne. And those guys thought I was a bit crazy to do that. So here I had this really great gig touring the Seekers and making, you know, some money. So I left that gig. Then I got the gig touring with Tommy Emmanuel. Again, when I was about 23, I, by this stage, I was 22, 23 years old touring with Tommy mm -hmm. Emmanuel. Um, and then I said the same thing, you know, like, I don't want to tour. I need to stay in town. I need to, I need people to, you know, um, hear me and I need to sort of network. And again, people thought I was really stupid for not, for, for dropping out of a, a, what was a really good gig. And then, um, you know, so I stayed in Melbourne. I didn't tour. I just worked a lot and the right person heard me. And that person was Graham Lyle. So Graham Lyle was at a gig um, although I, I had known Graham, we knew each other, he'd never heard me play and he was at a gig and he heard me play. And after the gig, I got talking to him at the bar of this place that I was playing at and he was, he was massively complimentary and I, I just couldn't, you know, I thought it was really nice, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was that he was so into. And then um, about, I don't know, eight months after that, he got offered the gig as the new musical director on Hey Hey It's Saturday. And about two or three days before Christmas of 1990, um, I got a message from a friend of mine said, you know, can you call Graham Lyle? He needs to speak to you about something. And I knew what it was about. So I rang him up and he said, oh, do you want to be the drummer in the new Hey Hey It's Saturday band? And I said, of course I do. And he said, great, wow. fantastic. Okay, while I've got you on the phone, can I book you for next year's Logies? And there's um, a, an album session for Deborah Byrne with the MSO. And I'm thinking, holy, what's just happened here? You know, I put my, wow. put my phone down and I, my parents were out visiting an auntie yeah. or something and I called them up at there and I said, look, I've got some news for you. You're not going to believe this. Yeah. And, and that was it. That was how I got the gig. So I didn't, I didn't audition. It was just basically an opportunity to have been heard by someone of influence. Mm. And, and that, that made all the difference. Fantastic, man. Well, that's awesome. Let's leave it because I know you've got to go see Dr. Nick about your Yeah, i got to see a doctor. doctor. I don't know doctor what Nick. he's going to do to me. I'm very worried. Uh-oh, amputate. You'll be <laughs> right. I'm sure you can take it on. I've seen your left sure. hand. It's, it's, yeah. what, what shoulder is it, right or left? It's my left shoulder. Ah, you'll be, you'll be right. It'll be all right. 
Who needs it? It's exactly. One of my students um, just broke his arm a couple of weeks ago playing soccer. I told him sports bad, don't do it because it'll, it'll, it'll stump your career. So my uh, my twelve year old drum student, um, he uh, he uh, broke his left arm. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, we're just going to play with your right. In fact, next time, make sure you break your right arm so we can work on your left hand more. You know, positive. Break your other yeah, arm always next time. The, the glass is always half full. I yeah. prefer it when it's like all the way full. It works better, yeah. It depends on what it's full of. Yeah, of beer. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Victorian bitter stuff, though. No, anyway, no, 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 no. Anyway, thank you thank, so much, what a man, pleasure. For, for hanging out. I love these chats. And, you know, I'm putting a book together and um, I, might, I might steal a couple of these lines and, and put in the book. And I'll credit you in them, of course. And you never know. Someone might pick you up and you might write their book for them one day. Because <laughs> your content is amazing. I'm happy to amazing. do anything. I know. For money. For love. No, all good, mate. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for chatting. Um, any, my pleasure, any, part, any parting words to, uh, to students? Because uh, that's my focus is, you know, my students get to see this stuff. And any, any, any parting words to, uh, to up-and-coming young, young drummers? I look like with anything, you know, do it, do it because you really love it, you know, and if you put your heart and soul into it, then the rewards that you get back from it are actually greater than the effort that you've put in. So just, you know, it's all about attitude. Legend. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, mate. We hope you enjoyed Pete's podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think will get value. And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening.